Hello, welcome to Job Fair Podcast. Uh, if you're listening, this may be your first one. It may not be. Uh, if it is your first one, I encourage you to go. I made a short introduction podcast. It's only like five or ten minutes long. That kind of reveals to you what this podcast is all about, what the goal is. But I'll give you a short summary here just in case you don't want to go back. But basically, with this podcast, we are interviewing people in various different careers, jobs, um, and different places in their life with the goal of giving young people mostly, or you could be um, mid-career changing, but giving you as much insight as possible into what job that you think you might want to do. Because a lot of times these jobs or, or college or career options aren't as advertised and I want to give you guys the most candid responses I can, so I'm interviewing as many people as I can. And today we have a special guest, uh, an old school friend of mine, and um, if he would like to say his name, he can. He can say as much as he wants. I encourage him to, but I'm going to let him uh, give it, I'm going to give it away to him. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, hi, my name's Ryan. Uh, like Cody said, man, we go way back to, uh, we were friends back in like high school. We graduated in 13, so that was, that was seven years ago. So, uh, so yeah, we've been friends. Yeah, we met in middle school, so that's over 10 years ago. Yeah, so it's been a lot has transpired since since we were young bucks. But um, my uh, it's a great this is a great opportunity, great podcast, man. I'd love to uh, give insight on uh, my experiences. I enlisted in the Marine Corps uh, in 2013, and I served. I was a I was in the infantry, so I saw combat. I went to my first deployment. My first combat deployment was to a country called Yemen in the capital of Sana'a, where we did operations out of the uh, embassy. And then my second deployment was to Iraq in Operation Inherent Resolve, where we uh, were in operation supporting the, uh, the Iraqi government, the local Iraqi government, in combating ISIS. And so um, that was, those, were, those two were just, those two things were small parts of my entire Marine Corps career that uh, that defines me. That that <laughs> I like to say my Marine Corps career doesn't define me, but those two deployments were just like a small defining part of that Marine Corps career. And um, I got out in 2017. I did four years, and then um, now I'm in college on the GI Bill, which is an awesome, awesome opportunity if, for those who have gotten out. I do have some friends who got out of the military, and um, they just they haven't gone to college yet. And it's, it really makes me sad. It, it makes me really sad that they haven't capitalized on that this opportunity because it's really good. It's really good. I get paid to go to college, and I've done some study abroad trips that the that the government has paid for. So <laughs> there's it's a it's a it's a balance. It's, it's a give and take during the military, but this is this is a good this is going to be a part. You know? So put a quick one down. Anything else? Yeah. Anything else? We'll get, we can dive into questions. All right. Yeah, you brought up a good point about uh, the GI Bill. I'd, I'd say that's one of the biggest benefits of enlisting right there. And I'm not saying you should choose a career just because the benefits, but if you're in the career, you might as well take advantage of all the benefits you can. Other uh, major benefit that you get from um, enlisting, there's called the, the, home, the VA Homeowners Act. And I don't really know too much about that, but it does the brief overall uh, a brief rundown that I've gotten from my friends in passing is it's just it helps you buy a house for for really really cheap, and I mean I'm sure there's there's a lot I'm sure there's some, some stipulations and um, stipulations and restrictions there's some stipulations and restrictions that apply but I mean like the overall the overall brief rundown that I got from that is it, it helps uh, veterans secure real estate when they get out and so that's another great opportunity that um, 
only a few veterans take take advantage of. So I mean, there's there's a lot of benefits. There's a there's, there's a lot of benefits that that come with it, and I I'd have to brush up on that. I wish I would have prepared better. But uh, but then but as far as the GI Bill goes, man, it's a really great opportunity. Like I said, I get paid. Uh, I get paid by the government to go to school. The government pays for my schooling, and uh, it's really. Um, it's really cool because I think the, the military was this awesome maturing experience. And then you went to college right out of high school, right? Yeah. 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 And so like, much. I was, you were, you were 22 by the time you graduated, 22, 23 by the time you graduated college. Yeah. I was 20, I was 20, I was 23 going into college. I was 23, turning 24 going into college. And I was always, I was just as old as you getting older going in when you came out. And so like, my mindset, my maturity was just way different, and so it's um, <laughs> something we can dive into more if you uh, talking about like going to college. But uh, just trying to stay strictly on the GI Bill. It's a um, it's a really good opportunity. So really, um, for those, I would not suggest going to join the military just to get free college. You should want to join the military because it's like a personal thing, it's a spiritual thing. Um, to want to better yourself. There's a whole, there's a whole plethora of reasons why someone should join the military, and they're all really admirable. But like, um, just to get stipends from the government, that's that's not why. You won't, you will not, you will not last long if that's why you join. Yeah, you have to have a, a more substantial reason than just mm-hmm. wanting free college. And mm-hmm. going into that a little bit, I mean, would you feel comfortable going into like what made you, what compelled you to enlist? Uh, yeah, man, I'd love to. Um, so. Uh, well, uh, you said it. We went to uh, a school together, but to be more specific, we went to a military school together. And so, um, ever since sixth grade, from uh, I would have graduated with you guys, but my my dad had to move to my dad got a job, and so my senior year I spent in a new high school. But in that new high school, I was still in ROTC. So, but from my sixth grade year to my eleventh grade year, uh, we wore the same thing every day. We had to shave our faces, we had to cut our hair, we we stood in boxes, and we had people like look at our clothes, and so like. He got he got marched around and told the dude. I mean, the uh, military school has a really specific culture to it uh, outside of just like public school, even private school. So I mean, like <clears throat> when you're me being exposed to that, that was uh, just something that I liked. It was something that uh, uh, that I admired, and no one else in my family had gone into the military. So and then on top of that, um, we grew up in South Georgia, so there was um, so there's there's this. Uh, heightened sense of patriotism that's found in the south that it's not that i want to say not found anywhere else it's just different the patriotism in, in the rural south is different than places in california new york montana because when i in my military career i did bounce around and i got to experience many different parts of the, the culture of the united states and so that's why i feel comfortable saying that like patriotism in the south is different and so yeah military school the patriotism the culture of the south those were um, all things, and on top of that, man, yeah, we're we're twenty. I'm twenty five. I'm not twenty five, but I'd be twenty six. You're the same, right? You're twenty five, going on twenty six. Yeah. yeah. So, um, dude, we were me and you were like the last generation that visit that physically remembers nine eleven with our own eyeballs. Everyone after us was either younger, and then, uh, and it's it's shocking, honestly, shocking. But it makes me feel old when I bump into like <laughs> kids that like have been born during the war on terrorism so i mean like seeing um that horrific event that day also inspired me so um and then another thing it was just personal like i had this desire this aspiration to go out and 
be part of something better than myself. And I wanted to be part of something tough. And I wanted to have pride in what I did. And the Marine Corps was, uh, the Marine Corps just fit the billet in my mind. And so um, that's why I enlisted. And uh, that's why I joined the infantry because uh, I wanted to, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to do the things that you saw in the movies and you play, and, you know, you play in game games called Duty and stuff like that. But by the way, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> I was about to say, really I'm sure we'll come back to this later <laughs> with the questions. I'm sure this will be addressed later. But uh, yeah, those are all great reasons. I'm sure that a lot of people share those reasons. And we'll we'll definitely circle back to those and see how they how they end up coming to fruition. But uh, I am also personally curious because I went to a military school, like you said. Um, I was curious how much the JRTC experience really prepares you for military, or is it just kind of like, because, I mean, in the end, mostly what we do is just march, but mm-hmm. I am yeah. kind of curious. Um, so, like, the marching did help. So, like, the reason that the military um, put tight emphasis on things like uniforms, marching, standing formation, which I just call, like, standing in boxes, standing in boxes, the reason they emphasize uh, they put a lot of emphasis on those kind of mannerisms is to reinforce discipline because if they can control how you look, how you dress, how you walk, it's going to be a lot easier for you to just follow orders even when you don't agree with those orders. In which, I mean, like, when it, I'm not talking about so much in the, the, con, the context of combat, but like, just like, hey, Parm, go to, go to the radio shop and bring in five radios. And like, part of me is like, that's fucking stupid. I, we just brought in five radios yesterday, you know, blah, 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 blah. But they do those things to reinforce discipline. And that was the basis of um, military school, what I got. Because remember, if you, if you like, messed up, even the slightest way you got boring, which was basically our version of, like, um, negative recess or whatever, you had to stay after yeah. school for an hour and do, like, and basically just made you do, like, PT and made you sweat and stuff like that. And so um, it, it helped for boot camp. It, the small parts that, for, like, small parts of boot camp and then on top of that like if you're in rotc for a for a certain amount of years the uh military will give you like the the marine corps gives you the smallest advancement they just let you go up to from an i don't remember if you remember the rank structure but you go up from like an e1 to an e2 and in the army and the air force you can even go up to an e3 but just the marine corps is like okay we'll give you we'll give you an extra rank because you've spent three years exposing yourself to some military culture and so like that was really about it. I, under, I like I got the concept of marching and having short hair and following orders and stuff like that. But like, not get it twisted, man. Marine Corps boot camp was way different than military school. So I mean, like they did have the bridges. They did connect in some areas. And so, and long story short, I guess you could say yeah, it did benefit me. But I'm willing. To, but it's not. It's, I'm willing to bet. Willing to bet it's not in the way that a lot of people, yourself or whoever's listening to this podcast. Think. Yeah. So just to reiterate and clarify on that, it it kind of helps introduce you to the culture of the training. Um, It's definitely by far no guarantee that you're going to do great in training. You know, that's all up to you. Uh, But also want to clarify. So if you go through JROTC, you'll get uh, an automatic upgrade promote. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I misspoke. Sorry. The 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 what we had in military military high school was JROTC. ROTC is for college. And if you go to yeah. ROTC in college, once you graduate that, you become an officer. And that's way different. Way different. But, um, yeah, yeah I missed that. Yeah, you're right there. Okay, so I have another question for you. And this is if you're comfortable answering or not. Uh, some of the listeners may want to know, what, what, 
what was your starting pay when you went in? How easy was it to uh, get promoted and get higher pay within just um, your four years, you know? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> great question, man. I wish someone would ask you. I wish I would have known this information. So, <laughs> um, so uh, you get like this. Uh, my paychecks when I was that E2, going to an E3, my paychecks were around like 600 every two weeks. Every two weeks, I have around like 600. But like... Um, I have friends who got like 700, 750, but, but that was like when you're in boot camp, they get basically, they allow you to start a 41OK. A 41OK, like a retirement? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They let you start that at boot camp. And <clears throat> if you want to talk about, we'll put a pin in boot camp because I could totally get into that for a second. But like, um, <laughs> and I, I put, I put a little bit more than my peers in that 401k. So my paychecks were a little smaller. And okay. I mean, like, let's, but let's say if you start off, let's say like six fifty, six uh, or seven seven hundred. You get seven hundred every two weeks. That's fourteen hundred bucks. And when you join the military, man, all all your insurance is covered. So you have dental and health insurance. You have a place to stay, which is the barracks. You have a place to eat, which is the chow hall. Usually, all your commodities are within. Usually, I mean, so generally speaking, everything that you need isn't within walking distance. So you don't technically need a car, but Everyone who joins the military buys a car because we have all these stipends from the government, and so we have nothing to do with our money. So we just we just blew it on random shit, man. We just <laughs> blew it. I mean, like you see all the tattoos I have. So like, let that be something. Let that be something. And so, um, getting into like those stipends, uh, your, your barracks, the child, the, the child hall, your lunch. Don't don't think that it's like it's free and it it goes it's by the, it plays by the same rules like college dorms or like a college cafeteria. The college cafeteria was, excuse me, the, the, the chow hall, the military cafeteria, was only open from like cert, certain hours throughout the day and then like small, small windows. And so and even if you, you had to either go really, you had to go at the beginning of those hours or the ending of those hours to like avoid a big crowd. And then um, on top of that, the dorms, they're not really your room. Anyone higher ranked than you has, it has permission to come in there at any time and inspect your room. Anyone in your chain of command, no sergeant from like the radio shop. Because I was in the infantry, no sergeant from the radio shop can come into my room and tell me, and like, yo, why is your refrigerator dirty? Couldn't do that. But like my my sergeant, he um he had full permission to come into my room whenever he wanted to. So it's like, so they say it's your room, but that's not really your room. So those government uh, stipends, those things given to you by the government, did have like restrictions on them. But as far as in, uh, how easy it is to rank up, I mean, you could you could be like a good marine and like put your heart and soul and body into being the best man you can every day. And even then, um, they only do what we call ma- uh, meritorious promotions, which are basically like free Marine of the quarter promotions. Uh, a Marine of the, they did them like every six months and they chose like one Marine out of like hundreds. And so they really just chose like the, the best of the best of the best. And so those were, those were hard to get, but they're, they're achievable. If you put, like I said, you put your mind, body and soul into them. Those are achievable, but, but like it's, Majority of us just ranked up through timing grades, which is like if you're an E3 for like eight months, then you rank up. And then each, how fast you ranked up dependent on, was dependent of the job that you had in the military. So okay. um, people who had like smaller, like smaller MOSs or smaller uh, jobs in the military tend to rank up faster. And like the infantry who had the, pl- uh, the infantry makes up one third of the Marine Corps. So we were massive. And so we huh. tend to rank up slower. So uh, you could be a good you could be a good marine and just bust your ass every single day, and you may get a free promotion, or you just 
grinded it out. Grinded it out. So that's interesting that you said that. I feel like not many people know that, you know, it depends on your position how fast you're going to rank up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, so what rank were you when you ex- exited after four years? So, glad you asked that, man. So, um, I achieved Corporal halfway through my Marine Corps career. I was an E4, I was an NCO, and that's a, that has like a certain leader, it has a lot of leadership responsibilities, but I did get, I basically got in, I got in trouble with the Marine Corps uh, on my third year, and so they took some, they took some rank, and I had to pay some fines, and I got, basically got put on house arrest, so I was an E4 at some point, but I got out of the Marine Corps as an E3, I got the murder. And honestly, looking back, man, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, because it exposed me to my chain of command, how my chain of command thought, um, expression of the culture of the Marine Corps, what was, what I was, I thought we were about X, Y, and Z, but the chain of command was about A, B, and C. And so they had, if my chain of command had backed me up, I probably would have re-enlisted and I would not be in the situation that I am now, which I love where I'm at in life. I, <clears throat> I'm in college. I live by the beach. Like you said, like you said I kayak if you want. I at the beach all the de- all the time i smoke weed it's fucking <laughs> awesome my my life is a lot better than what it was in, in the Marine Corps. so i mean okay. some people love it some people get in that some people get in that culture and they love it and they strive and they like i said they just love the culture and other people get in it and uh we're like okay it's just a, any minute now and i'm free <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I mentioned this before we actually started the podcast, but I wanted to ask you about this too. How are the enlistment bonuses? Are they, I'm sure they're quite enticing. I I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm interested to hear about it. Uh, so like enlistment bonus, I think is a word that recruiters throw around just to like hypnotize, um, hypnotize high schoolers or people who are looking to join. Enlistment bonus, I mean, I really don't know too much about them, but an enlistment bonus is basically um, if you're entering the military, Enlistment bonus. Um, I could be wrong here, so please don't take this for don't, please, please don't take this for truth. But enlistment bonus. If you're entering the military, it's like um, we really need mechanics. The army really needs mechanics, so we're gonna like help give incentives to join to be a mechanic. We're gonna give you an extra two thousand dollars when you enlist. And so now, and then when once once they got you, they have you in. The same thing applies. Like what we really need. So let's say you did your four years and then you're, uh, you did your time in grade and you're a corporal and you're still in uh, mechanics. And like, oh, we really need NCOs and mechanics. So if instead of leaving the military, if you, if you decide to stay, we'll give you $10,000. And, you know, the same thing is applied to the infantry, to dental, to all that stuff. And so um, when you're con- so when you sign up, when you sign up for the military, you sign a contract saying, I will do the infantry for four years. And then at the end of it, you can request to go do a different job. And so like, let's say if I wanted to do like dental for the Marine Corps, because dental has like a, a $5,000 bonus, because they really need corporals in the Marine Corps dental world. And so that's what a, that's what a um, enlisting bonus is. It just kind of helps give incentive to specific jobs. That's my understanding of it. Okay, and then I just have one more question kind of in this area, and that is, I'm assuming that, you know, there's an agreement there that you have to stay the full four years, and if you don't, you have to return that, right? That uh, that the signing money? bonus? Yeah. Oh, the money? Oh, good question, man. You know what? Honestly, I, I I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, like, the only reason you would get out of the military, so there is the honorable discharge, which is 
to my knowledge, you did your four years, you kept your nose, you kept your nose clean. Go, thank you. Basically, Uncle Sam saying, thank you for your service, pat in the back, now get the fuck out. I gotta make room for other people who wanna come into the military. And then, um, so if you did, then there's other than honorable, which I'm pretty sure is like MedSEP, which is like medical separation. There's probably some other things in there, uh, other, uh, other than honorable. And then there's dishonorable, which is people who fuck up real hard, like do drugs, they get, so what I got, break, they break the Marine Corps, which is called NJP, um, just to make it simple. If you get NJP'd a bunch of times, they kick you out, you do drugs, they kick you out. <laughs> getting an other than, uh, getting a dishonorable discharge is actually kind of easy. They, um, cause the military bulked up, the, the military bulked up for the, for the war on terrorism. And then they were like, Oh, well, we got too many people cause they're spending too much time on things, uh, spending too much money on things. And so they were just looking for reasons to get rid of the um, military and just to, just to dive into that a little, a little deeper. If anyone's listening to this, they want to join the Marine Corps, I would, um, do a little research because you learn in boot camp that that America wants a Marine Corps. They don't need a Marine Corps. So any chance that the that Uncle Sam has to downgrade, defund, basically just get rid of the Marine Corps, he's gonna take. And so it's just kind of one of those chip on it's just um the Marine Corps propaganda is just they just take it as a chip on our shoulder, like look, chip on our shoulder kind of mentality. And so um that's that's kind of mentality we gotta have. You join the Marine Corps specifically. So um I guess one more question. I lied earlier. One more question. So, I'd love it. do you usually do the signing bonuses and all that after boot camp, or is that before boot camp? So, I was just kind of curious uh, if you took the signing bonus and then you left because boot camp was difficult, or, or you know, whatever you. No, no, no you it. don't. Uh, uh, no, um, that's a good question. Like, if you go to boot camp and you don't make it, um, I imagine the government's going to want that money back. I just after working with the government and their money, so I, I imagine uh, you. With that signing bonus, you have to complete the um, application for the contract, which is make it through boot camp and then make it to your job. So um, another good point is, so let's, I'm just going to talk about, I'll use the Marine Corps example. So I was in the Marine Corps infantry. So you go to boot camp, which is uh, Marine, Corps, Marine Corps boot camp is 13 weeks long. That's for you to become, that's for you to earn the title of Marine. So you go 13 weeks, you did it, you, you walk across the parade deck in your uniform, Congrats, you're a Marine. Now go take some. You get 10 days of leave, but you, you, you need it. You've got to get that decompression for your, men, for, for your <laughs> mental and your spirit. When I say spirit, I mean you're like, not your like your religious spirit, you're like your emotions. So you got to get that decompression for your mental and your spirit because it was fucking crazy, man. It was crazy. Culture shock. I could dive into that later. But anyway, and then so you come back from your 10-day vacation. You're still a Marine, but you have no idea how the fuck to do your job. So you have to go to what is called an MOS school. And that can range for, you know, uh, for engineers, it's a different experience. For um, pi- for like guys working on airplanes, it's a different experience. For guys building bridges, it's a different experience. And so the crazy, one of the crazy things about the Marine Corps is in the Marine Corps, every single Marine gets at least a little bit of combat training, like uh, gets a, just like a taste of infantry training. In the Army and the Air Force and all that other stuff, they train you how to be a sol- soldier, airman, a sailor, and then they send you straight to your school. They teach you how to be a dentist or an engineer. With the Marine Corps, you earn the title Marine. Everyone spends a little bit time learning infantry tactics and you know how to properly use wep- uh, the appropriate weapons or arms. And then, then you go to your school. But for guys who stayed in the infantry, like myself, you get extra, extra training in the military. And then <clears throat> they have like these 
advanced schools you can go to, but I mean, I guess for that's for like once you're in the military for like a, for like a substantial amount of time. But it's like people who are like thinking about enlisting or they're, they're about to enlist listening. I would suggest to those people who are thinking about enlisting or about to enlist, something that I wish I would have learned is meditate. Learn how to keep your your mind and your spirit calm because the the purpose of uh, boot camp, at least Marine Corps boot camp, is they have to break you down at every single level and rebuild you to basically be, I want to say a robot, but you, they, you have to follow orders, you have to uh, be disciplined, you have to be confident in yourself, and they have to really strip away all these layers of what made you a human for the 18 to 20 years before you enlisted, and then they have to instill the values and discipline. It's gonna, it's, you have to sacrifice parts of yourself. You have to sacrifice parts of your characters. You have to sacrifice mannerisms. That's why I, I personally don't like banch brashing. Banch, we call it banch brashing. Like, oh, Marines are better, huh? I mean, I really don't like that because I have respect for anybody in this. Like, even if it was someone in the Air Force who, there's just one, there's just one job in the Marine Corps called refrigerator mechanic. And all you do is just fix <laughs> AC units and refrigerators and microwaves. And so I'm sure the Air Force has got some silly job out there. And so even those people, I have a lot of respect for them because, like I said, you have to, you just have to sacrifice parts of your spirit and your mind and your mannerism to, to be part of a bigger cause. And so that's why if I could give anyone any kind of advice, brain dump everything you've seen on um, YouTube or videos on H, um, History Channel or even what your uh, recruiter tells you, you have to go in there. And you'd be like, this is going to fucking suck, but I'm here, I'm in it to win it, and I'm going to give myself up for a greater cause. And I think the best way, I wish I would have known how to meditate. I, would, I didn't really get into meditation after the military, and especially the Marine Corps. It's a, it can, it's, I'm just going to be blunt, man. It can be toxic. Like 80% of it is, is toxic as fuck. And of that 80%, about 50% of that, so I guess like 40% of the Marine Corps is math right there. <laughs> 40% of the Marine Corps is toxic masculinity. And so you have to know how to cope with that. And so I think meditation is a great way. I'm sure for the, like the army and the air force and the, the Navy, they all have, their, like, they have each branch has a different mission. So we, so we emphasize on different training, uh, different training through like in boot camp and then like in your specific school. But it's, uh, you have to be, you just have to be ready. It's, it's not like, I know the Marine Corps, pre, uh, talked about like being like like oh we're the hardest we're the baddest we do have the most um demanding physical standards but ain't nothing i i know guys who were twigs and they made it through and then there was guys who were, like bulky as fuck but they had this like they had the this fuck the world mentality that didn't last mm -hmm. long so it's dude i'm telling you so it's more dude, about your character and what what your drive yeah. is than yeah. where you're starting at exactly so it's, and, it's, you have to go in there like i said you have to go in that there with that mentality like this is gonna suck I'm ready for it to suck, but I'm in it to win it. And you have to go in there like your brain has to be a sponge. And I was going to ask you, did you did you do anything to prepare for enlistment or to prepare for boot camp? Like, um, I'm sure you had to pass some physical tests. Did you try to do any training or did you just kind of go at it? So the day you show up to boot camp, you have to do this. Like, the, like the, within like 48 hours of you showing up to uh, Paris Island, you have to do this, like this, uh, I think it's called a PFT. I think it was the PFT. Anyway, you have to do a fitness fitness test of some sort. And before you leave for boot camp, you have to 
your recruiter, if he's a good recruiter, he's going to make you do that same PFT test at the recruiting office. He's like, okay, you're good. You can join. And I had dudes who I enlisted with who passed the PFT test at the recruiting station and then failed it uh, like day two of boot camp. And then they had to go. I mean, you're still at boot camp. The Marine Corps is not going to shoot you away. <laughs> it was actually really yeah. shitty. They put him in like they put him in like these these barracks full of full of like recruits who weren't really ready to start training, and they just kept like I guess like fucking with them mentally and physically. And so um, until they left or passed, yeah, I yeah, guess. until they like until they passed, then they could start training. And so, but like, dude, I'm, I'll be honest. Like I said, there's nothing really physical about it. Yeah, you should you should want to be in good shape before you go. As like just as a cognitive human being, I, I feel like you should want to be in good shape, especially if you want to be in the, like the military. You want to be in better shape than the average person. But man, it's all it is all up here, and there's nothing in the world that's going to prepare you for the way for for the way some dude is going to. Whether I had some of my drill instructors were way smaller than me, but they were the scariest motherfuckers in the world in the world. And there's just really nothing. There's there's not much out there. I don't think there's anything that I could have done that could prepare would have prepared me for the culture shock that is, that is boot camp. And that's, that's really all it is. It's a culture shock, and they're just trying to weed out the most of the So just in boot camp, could you single out, like, uh, I guess what you would consider the hardest thing in boot camp, like a single out an event or something? Yeah, obviously, yeah, definitely the beginning. Definitely the beginning, like the first five, because the, eh, the first, yeah, about the first half, the first half of it was pretty rough because, like, for um, I'll just give you like a brief rundown. So like, have you seen Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure, so most of our only, listeners have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're joining the military, I'm pretty sure you you've seen Full Metal Jacket. But like, if you want to get a good understanding of like Marine, uh, somewhat a good understanding of Marine Corps boot camp, go watch Full Metal Jacket. The first half of that movie is kind of, is is pretty accurate. The way that drill instructor fucks with them, that that I'd say that was that's probably the most accurate depiction of the military boot camp I've ever seen. That and um. What was that movie about the, the the dude who played Spider-Man, who was a pacifist, who joined the army and then fought um, Heartbreak Ridge? Heartbreak Ridge, I think it was. Oh, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. That boot camp was a pretty good representation of it. What was it? Uh, I don't know. What, what, what are we going with this? I smoked too much weed. What are we going with this? <laughs> I was just saying uh, a single most event that, that oh, really struck yeah. you as difficult. Yeah, yeah. I, just, just the beginning. My bad. Um, yeah, the beginning because, like I said, they have to break you down. And, um, oh yeah, I was telling a story. So if you watch, um, Full Metal Jacket, my bad, where they all like stand in their underwear and white shirts and they're like standing in line and he's like walking down yelling at them. We had to do that shit at least five times a day. I spent more time on my feet. My feet were fucking <laughs> killing me from just that. Anyway, um, that's a true representation. And like, you have like a foot locker of all the stuff the military gives you at boot camp because that's all you really need is everything that you need is in a foot locker and like some stuff you train with. Basically, they made us grab all of our stuff, um, bring it with us on that line, and we had to dump it in front of us. And the drill instructors were coming around, picking up, kicking it. They would grab your pants, kind of hit you with them, and then throw them across the room. And they would take your this, that. They take your letters and throw it. Oh God, just. Everyone's shit went everywhere, and they call it a tornado because that's exactly what it is—it's a tornado. And like, it's—it's just—it's just mental. It's just wow, I fucked. It's one of those wow, I fucked up moments when you just have to sit there like <laughs> a statue, and you're just seeing you're you're getting you're getting hit with someone else's clothes. You see them, you see like uh, shoes go flying, and then um, so they did something like that. And then by the time it was all said and done, they're like, okay, you got five minutes to clean this place up. So it cleaned up real fast. And I remember, man, I was I went to the bathroom. And it was like one of those things where I was like, you know, just think like this. And I was like, I fucked up. 
I fucked up. I really want to go home right now. We all think about quitting. Everyone thinks about quitting, but only a few of us actually do it. And it was in. The, I was like, yeah, I fucked up. And it was like, this was the first week, man. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I, like I said, this is, it's going to suck. I'm ready for it to suck. And this is going to make me a better person. And when I walked out of the bathroom, I remember I turned the corner and there was, this, there was like this, I was like 18 at the time. There's what I considered a full-grown person who's, who's 21. Who's 21. And he's crying. He's like full-blown. Like, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing that bad. I'm actually, I'm pretty solid. And then after a certain point, man, you just get used to it because I mean, like you just, you're just so used to getting up, doing physical exercise, getting your, getting your mind fucked with, sitting in classes all day. You just get used to it. You get used to it. We call it in the Marine Corps. We, we called it the suck. You just get used to the suck because <laughs> everything about it sucks. <laughs> everything about it sucks. <laughs> so you just get, so, I mean, you just get used to it. It sounds like the biggest thing for you was just the degradation at the beginning, and. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like it just gets better from the beginning so if that's really what you want to do yeah you just gotta dig dig deep and pull through it but this does bring me to the next question what do you think were the best things that this brought out of you and what do you think is the worst things that this experience brought out of you that is an awesome question man i wish you know i think that's the first time i think i've been asked that question that's a good question the best thing it brought out of me was confidence drive there's so many things me things if i could my favorite because there's no one thing about it confidence uh drive this inspiration to be to, to be better because it's it makes you feel good about a person it makes me feel good about myself and you know what only other people on my level who who are on the same vibration as me will understand this it's it makes me feel good about a person when i am in like just any kind of shitty environment whether it's class whether i'm at work or in a relationship, or this shitty part about a relationship. Because if you're in a relationship, that sucks. Get out of it. But you know, if you're in a, a shitty part of a relationship, and you see people quit, and they just like, I don't want to be here anymore, and they walk away, and you're and like, I'm not gonna be that guy. I like, <laughs> I have, I have drive. I have inspiration in myself. And I'm gonna keep going. Maturity, because it really just shows when you spend like your, when you spend so much of your time, even just the culture of the military. Then you come out and you join the real world, man. That's a whole other culture shock, especially if you go uh-huh. straight to college because you're going to. I will. I will not call them snowflakes or college kids snowflakes, but they definitely college kids definitely like eighteen year olds, nineteen year old kids have this different thought process and these different series of emotions than a full grown person who's been to combat. And so, like, uh, the maturity level is just it's staggering. It's staggering. Yeah, I mean, life. you're essentially mixed in there with fresh out of high school kids and you've seen things yeah. that full-grown men have never seen you know so yeah and so, and that's um well i hope let's put a pin in that to get back to that because i feel like that's, that's i was uh, yeah i was gonna ask a yeah. question about the culture shock later yeah so um but to, but go back to the, the best things that made about me i think i became really confident about myself when i got out of the military i was ready to some i had some friends who did go back home with their parents but i was like no fuck that i'm going to college i'm going to a new city I'm going to start this about my life. I'm kickstarting my life and I was ready for it. And I got a dog and I got an apartment. I got a car. I just, I was just really confident in myself. And that was some things that the military, the, the military, the Marine Corps specifically drilled into me. One, and then the most important thing a human can do is want to be a better person. You cannot change 
you cannot change the world. You can't even you can't even make your bed unless you have the inspiration to be a better person. You're not going to get anywhere in life if you're just content with the situation you're in. Even if the situation you're in is good, make it better. Make yourself better. And that is something that I pulled away from the military because there's there's like the incentive of rank to be better, but is basically, like, I guess, a physical representation of the incentive to be better. And that is something that I, I take a lot of pride in. I'm really glad that the military put that into me because I see people who don't want to be better. And I just laugh at them, basically, because kind of going back to people quit. Like, I wouldn't think I'm above anybody, but, like, I think, <laughs> I mean, I got more stones than some people. And I have mm-hmm. the, the drive and the perseverance that some people don't have. And, you know, that's something that I take a lot of pride in when I want to go skydiving or I love, I got into scuba diving as well, man. I got a scuba diving shirt and that's really, and that's really cool. And there's some people who just like, no, that's not me. And I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm getting in there. <laughs> and I, it's, yeah, wanting to be a better person is something, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. No matter if you're, no matter if you're a fucking pilot, if you're a janitor, if you're someone who like does lawn work. Just want to be, be want to be a better person. Regardless, anyone who's listening to this podcast, I inspire you to make yourself to make yourself a better person because that's how you change the world. Is when you when you try to change yourself for the better. Yep. So, what about the the worst thing you thought it brought out of you? Because I oh, mean, the worst <laughs> mannerisms and how I talk at people. Because going back, I'm this I'm really glad you asked this question, man. So I just talked about the Marine Corps can be a toxic environment, and on top of that, it can be toxic masculinity and they breed on that shit especially in the uh, infantry so in the infantry marine corps infantry there are no females or there's there there are no their females are allowed but there's none not a single one and you know i went the base i got stationed on was a a a base in the middle of the desert and i was out there for three and a half years and there were barely any females on that base because and all the females who were on that base were on the opposite side of the base so dude i would spend days literally hundreds of hours at a time without interacting with any females and that's just and how you and <laughs> and i mean the first initial reaction someone's like well, why is that a big deal like uh and i'll tell you why because when you live with when you basically live with the same group of guys 20 guys for an extensive amount of time and you train on how to be better yourself physically and because what we did, we trained how to kill people. So when you train how to kill, when you train in tactics and how to, how to better yourself physically, you'd establish bonds and mannerisms that really only go between males. Even those bonds that you attach with your male friends, if you go out into the civilian world and you try to make this connection with male, with male friends who weren't in the military, it's just not going to happen. So, like, just straight up, man, I'll be honest with you. The home, Marine, Corps, Marine Corps infantry is extremely homoerotic. It's really, we talk, we joke about, yeah, it's, it, 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 we joke about being gay. We joke about, we just joke about being gay. I won't get to the specifics, but we joke about being gay. And one thing that I did when I got out of the military, I continued those mannerisms and I could tell it rubbed people the wrong way. And like, it was a combination of, like I said, being really confident in myself and then um, of being slightly homoerotic in my jokes. There's a lot of people who asked, who just assumed I was gay because I, because I mean, like, you watch Daniel, Daniel Tosh. Daniel Tosh is yeah. my favorite comedian, and he joked. A lot of people assumed gay. he was gay when he yeah. first started. <laughs> yeah, and so like, I mean, I thought he was of... when he first started. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I did but, too. I think it made yeah, I mean, that, even better. That sounds like, like another mannerism... culture shock issue. 
Yeah, and it, it and you know what, dude? I struggled. I won't lie. I struggled, and I get why. To, to, if you don't know, and to anyone who's listening, know twenty-five veterans a day commit suicide, and that's something that breaks my heart. And statistically speaking, I have friends out there who are gonna have who are gonna do it. I have friends who I've served with, served, guys I've, I went on combat deployments with, who who killed themselves, and I've had friends who called me up, and they're like, "Yo, I want to kill myself." And that's just it's sad. It's really sad. It's something that you have to be ready for. And no one was there. Not, no one was there for me. And I had to learn how to do that shit on my own. And if there's any veterans out there listening right now, I was like, no, man, you're not alone. And just reach out to anybody you can to talk to. And that culture shock, going from like that certain mannerism of how you address your bros and your, your, boss, your, your boss and your subordinates going into the real world, you just can't talk to people like that. It's just, it's just not going to fly. And I think that's a big reason there's this, there's this disconnect between in college, I don't know, probably in like professional world as well, because you said you're, uh, you're an engineer working on airplanes. I don't know if there's any veterans in there, but that's what a big disconnect between uh, veterans and college students is because we have, we have basically been communicating with other humans a certain way for so long. And then you get in college, and you, you just straight up, dude, you can't talk to people like that. You just can't. You can't act like that. And that was something I struggled with. And it bled, dude, it bled into my professional career. It bled into, like, my romantic relationships. It bled, it bled into um, my really close friends. You know, and it, it's kind of like when, you, when you're a civilian going into the military, there's nothing you can do to, to get ready. You just better be, you have to be ready to, like I said, sacrifice parts of yourself as you're, as you're, high school student going into being a, uh, a soldier marine or sailor and as you're a soldier marine sailor getting ready to go back into the uh, civilian world you have to be ready you have to be ready to take L's you're going to lose you're going to lose a lot of things you're going to lose friends you're going to lose lovers you're going to lose money you're just going to lose things because people don't understand you and it breaks it, it really breaks my heart and I'm more mad at the United States government because in a way it's straight up brainwash it's straight up brainwash how they make you interact or how they make you the human that you are for the culture of the military now whether it's whether the brainwash is necessary that's a whole other debate we could have a whole other podcast on that but like it just has to be done and like and i keep saying when you get out you just can't talk to people like that and i lost like i said <laughs> i lost a lot of things uh but it's doable you can get past it but it's it's well it's well that was the hardest part that's why i think that's why a lot of people go back in so when I got, this will be real brief. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I met, when I was when I went to Iraq, my combat deployment, my best friend was a guy who wasn't even in infantry. He was stationed on a different base. I just met him. His name was Hunter, and he was one of the best humans I've ever met. And when we got out, we got out of the Marine Corps together, and we were so we were so tight. He was done with his life in Michigan, and I was done with. I mean, when I say done, I mean like I didn't want to go back. It's not like I hated him, but I, I didn't want to go back to my family in North Carolina. He didn't want to go back to his family in Michigan, so we moved to Charleston together. We moved to Charleston together. I joined college. He went straight into trade school. And he just couldn't scratch the itch, man. He's like, I have to go back into the military. He's like, it's just, he was just so accustomed and used to the culture. And he, he, there was, he, I think there was a strong disconnect between who he was as a Marine and the world that surrounded him. And he just couldn't connect back. And so that's why he went back into the military. And I urged him. I was like, bro, come on. Like, please don't. It's amazing being a civilian compared to being a Marine. But he's like, no, man, I just, I gotta, I gotta get back. I gotta go back to it. I gotta go back to that lifestyle. And like, and that's admirable. And I love him. And I hope he's doing great right now. But I think that's the main reason 
people go back to the military because they miss they don't they go back to the military because they miss the military they miss the connections they made with other humans and that's because you get out of the military and they feel like they're isolated and so i feel like that's the main reason to go back and i yeah, the worst part about joining i really like the way you answer that question because you definitely bled into some of the other points i was going to ask about um i was going to ask about how how well the Marines prepared you for the next culture shock of re-entering to civilian life. And it sounds like they kind of do a poor job of that. They did a really poor job, yeah. And it's not really – I'm going to hold them accountable, yeah, because they held me accountable for stupid shit. I'm going to hold them accountable about serious shit. Bro, I am – after joining the military and then after going to college, and I, and I start traveling I, – because like I said, I did some study abroad trips, and I just travel my own leisure time because this is something I love. God, I love traveling. And – um, yeah, I think, yeah, you follow me on social media because you, you can see that it's, it's all over my social media everywhere I've been. After doing all these things and seeing all the things I've seen, I'm really anti-American government right now. And so they, they fucking suck. So this is crazy. This is something I brought up to my college a professor one time when she, she told me, and I'll put a pin in that. So they spend, <laughs> the Marine Corps spends 13 weeks of getting in your, unless I'm, I'm going to add my job because it took me two and a half months to get my infantry training so three uh five and a half months the military uncle sam invested five and a half months of getting in my face screaming at me mentally mentally abusing me uh culture shocking me tearing me down as a person and then rebuilding me it's five and a half months on that trying to turn me into the marine they needed they spend one week one week five hours a day one week preparing you for the civilian world they spend one day on how to get proper insurance like health insurance car insurance they spend the second day, if you go to college, this is what the GI Bill looks like. This is what the post-9-11 looks like. That's day two. And then day three, four, and five is how to do interviews, uh, websites that are run by the government. Like the average pay of a radiologist in North Carolina is $80,000. And they teach you how to work websites like that. And they give you resources and stuff like that. And then ha, so, and half of the last day is just basically contractors and police counties and firefighters that basically are in bed with the, the government be like, yo, come, come recruit from our guys who are getting out. And so that's just, I would say stifling. No, it's shocking. It's embarrassing. Like I said, they spent five and a half months of just mentally, <laughs> damn near mental abuse. I'm trying to get you to be the, the Marine that they need. But they only spend a week, five hours a day, teaching you what the civilian world is going to be like. And uh, one of my college professors, said that they, she's starting up a program to help veterans readjust, and I think that, that we need more things like that. We need more things like that. That's why, that's why I, think, I think, and if any other veterans are out there, I ask them to feel the same. Let's hold the government accountable, because that is just unacceptable, in my opinion. So I don't want to get too far away from the point. I, I'd like to reiterate, I think you made a great point there. It seems more like, it's, I think it's almost an equivalent culture shock when you go into the Marines as it is when you come out. And what they do is really, they throw money at you. They're like, here's a GI Bill, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah, the you know. Homeowners Act, you're right. They, they, and it went, in a sense, they hypnotize you with the, the benefits. Like, oh, look at all these great things we're doing for you. But, like, going back to what I said, you have to sacrifice parts of yourself when you join the military. And, like, whether there's parts of you mentally, spiritually, physically, literal physically, because you could literally lose a fucking arm. I don't think it's enough. So, like, um, another example, I did two combat deployments, but I only get five years worth of health insurance for the VA. And 
I'm just going to spend like a minute on this. The VA is one of the worst government-run programs in the fucking world, man. I go, there's a VA hospital right down the road from me, and it is just poorly ran. It's poorly, poorly ran. And, and, and you do hear just, about that a lot. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing that, like I said, you go out there and you give yourself to a greater cause. You sacrifice parts of yourself, and they're like, uh, here's, free college, uh, here's free college and shitty health care. And then you only get that, you only get that shitty health care if you go to, if you deploy to a combat zone, so like mm. guys who are in like dental, I think, I think that's the case. I could be wrong. Don't take that for word. But I mean, if that is the case, that's, that's sad. But if it's not the case, you know, I just misspoke. But I guess I, I do have a quick question about the GI Bill. Are there any stipulations of that? Like you only get four years. Is there any GPA tied to it or anything like that? Uh, so you get 36 consecutive months of schooling. So, okay. So that's only like, three years. Or, oh, well, okay, that could be like a four-year degree, though, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm using a four-year degree, so what you have to do, if you take summer classes, I had a uh, friend who had to convince me of this, because um, if you take, so while you're in school, you get paid from the government, but if you take summer, um, as long as you're taking classes, you get paid, so if you take summer classes and you do it right, you could get a, you could get a master's in your four years, but, you know, if, if you, like, dick around, and you, uh, if you dick around, then, then you're probably going to have to pay out of pocket, but, like, there are... You have to, if you fail the class, you have to give some of the money back. You have to take a certain amount of credit hours every semester. If you take all online classes in, you don't get the full credit. So, I mean, like, there's, like, restrictions on it. But, I mean, if you if you have the intentions of being, like, a normal college student, then you're going to get a good, you're going to get, like, the best parts of the job. If you try to, like, cheat ticket, you can't cheat the system. There's, yeah. There's no, there's no cheating that one. <laughs> there's much <laughs> things in the Marine Corps you could cheat. But, that, that yeah, they got you by the balls in that one. All right, so I'm going to steer this back into another direction here. I'm kind of curious, uh, so people can look into boot camp and see how tough that is. People can look at uh, all the benefits and the salary. But I'm kind of curious what you do day-to-day once you're done with boot camp. And then also when you're uh, deployed for a combat zone, what are you doing day-to-day? And some of you may not be able to talk to specifics, but just kind of in general, like, because I'm kind of curious, what are you doing? I mean, uh, I would hope you're not fighting every day, but, you know. Um. That's a great question, man. The terminology we used was when you are in the, so when you're in your barracks room, not really training, but you're like training, like taking classes, or you have to do like, you have to take like these medical things or dental things, or for whatever reason, we called it in the rear. That means like you're in your barracks, you're on base, you have to spend the work day on base. In the years 2015 and 16, because I got out in 17, so in the years 2015 and 16, like I said, I was stationed out there in that, uh, uh, base out in the middle of the desert i spent more days out in the middle of the desert training than i did days in the rear days in the rear are awesome they're relaxing to us they were awesome relaxing i'm sure it's, i'm sure it may range from different people but to me an average day was going out into the middle, going out to the middle of the desert like you because you had to wear like long sleeves long sleeves and pants and like these certain big hats or you were going to just fry like a piece of chicken up there and then you have hundreds of pounds of gear on and then all the mill all the fucking vehicles we had were shitty so they they had they were they sucked to sit in and the ac never worked and um and that's why that's why it was it was uh shocking to see someone overweight over there you're like Dude, you just sweat so much <laughs> so that was an average day like a lot of training a lot of training a lot of not being back um, not being in the rear, so you're, you're usually you're, you have no cell phone signal. Uh, you're having to eat food out of bags. 
you know, that kind of lifestyle. And then when you're what we call in country, when you're deployed, um, it's going to, it's going to range. It's going to range because there's so many different deployments with so many different missions. But I mean, I'll speak about mine, but mine were very, very unique experiences. And that is something I take a lot of pride in. Those are not, there's not many Marines that can say that they did what me and my group of Marines did on my first and second deployment. My first deployment, um, I got deployed to Sinai, Yemen. We did operations out of the embassy. I got to have a little context. There's a specific job in the Marine Corps called MSG, which is Marine, Marine Corps Security Guard. And that's basically Marines who go over to embassies. But they're like, they're, I'll say security guards at like an airport, but they're not infantry guys. They have a more relaxed job. But the, the situation in Yemen was escalating so fast. And that was just after the Benghazi incident where the, the ambassador got like uh, kidnapped and uh, kidnapped and killed. So they sent in like a group of Marines who specialized in combat, and we did all kinds of things. We worked with like we worked with three-letter agencies, Navy SEALs, and all kinds of people. And um, it was really cool. It was really cool. We uh, that deployment. We I did. Uh, we did a Neo, which was it might have been the first. It might have been the second. So I'll just stay humble and say it was the second. It was the second first successful non-violent evacuation of an embassy, and that was really cool, man. I spent about there's 72 hours straight where I only slept like six or five hours because we were just constantly destroying shit. We were just we were just literally destroying the embassy from the wall from the roof down. We had to destroy all the, the paperwork, all of our clothes, all of the weapons, everything. Everything that was in the embassy on embassy dirt gotta be destroyed. And we left out of there. We left out of there with just the clothes on our back. And I remember we got a lot of shit from like major news sources like CNN, MSNBC, things like that because there were some things, like we had to take our flaks and our equipment and our rifles with us to the airport. And then when we got to the airport, we had to basically disassemble. We couldn't destroy them there in the airport, so we just like disassembled them as best we could. And then the, the bad guys, the Houthis, uh, they got all that shit together, put it back together, and took photos of it. And they were like, look what we stole from the Marines. And they sent that shit to CNN and MSDC, and they were like, yo, the Marines and the Marines in Yemen suck, and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. So... That was my first experience, and I don't really think anyone other is going to have an experience like that. But my second one was um, I went to Iraq, and we were in a stagnant defense. We were helping the Operation Hit Resolve, and we were helping the uh, Iraqi locals uh, combat ISIS. That one was probably a lot. That one was way cool. Well, not, not way cooler, because those last 72 hours of that deployment was wicked awesome. That, uh, that other deployment was really cool, because it, were, it was one of those situations where like it's a bunch of guys sitting in a room with headphones, headsets on. They're looking like with a bunch of computer screens. And uh, I worked with basically jets and satellites and artillery and um, holding their spikes on bad guys. And that was really cool. Really, really cool. Really cool. And I, only a select few of individuals could do that. Not a, a, a select few of individuals. Cause you have to have like guys from the Army, that's the Air Force, that's the Marine Corps, Iraqi, like Iraqi government specialists in there. So. I was one of four Marines from the entire from the entire group of us who got put in that situation, and it was really cool, man. Really, really cool. So, but like, I can't I can't really speak of what to, to expect from like a modern day deployment. It was with me, and it's just uh, it's just something you're gonna have to go out there, train for, and expect. So, I wish I'd have been able to play in that one though. Well, I mean, that's a really cool experience, obviously. And uh, uh, like not that. to deter people away, I'm sure there's some bad experiences too. But yeah, that, yeah, it was about, it's probably like, honestly like 80% hate and contempt and like, um, 
five percent enjoying and the rest of it uh fifteen percent is whatever. Something else. Yeah. Sleeping or and, something. <laughs> <laughs> I was kinda curious, so I, I was kinda wanting to uh talk about the uh, comparison between the culture you have at boot camp, which is definitely you know, tear you down and kinda rebuild you how they want to versus the culture that's out in the combat zone. I'm sure there's a lot more camaraderie and everything out there. Uh yeah, yeah, there's um they're both extremely stressful. They're both extremely stressful because they're they're stressful in their own different ways. Because um, I mean, the camaraderie's there on, on both parts, but like in both situations, they're, I guess they're comparable. They're pretty comparable, I guess, because in both situations you have like someone always telling you what to do. You always have a mission. You really don't have much contact with the outside world because, like, when I was in Iraq, we were like 12 hours, 11 hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time, and so I mean, like. You really didn't get a lot of like um, real time talking to your family, and the same is with fucking boot camp. Except boot camp, you don't get any. You get no electronics. Only you can talk to the family. Marine Corps boot camp, the only way you can talk to family is letters. I think Army, they let you have phones for like certain hours of the day, or certain hours on certain days. And so, um, they're, yeah, they're both they're they're both stressful, but for their own reasons. And the mission is different. Oh gosh, how would I compare them? I think that's really the only way I could compare those those two things. High stress, not much sleep, a lot of, a lot of you having to dig deep, like reach under the am, reach under the embers of your, the fire that is your soul, reach deep down in those embers, excuse me, ashes, there's, ne- there's not going to be a flame. You just reach down there deep, grab an ember, and you got to spark it, man. You have to be even tougher out there than you did in boot camp, for sure. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. And um, your, your mindset's going to be different because you mean you've been you've been in the you've been in the Marine Corps, you've been doing your job for a little bit. And now it's just it's uh just similar but different. That's a really bad that's a really bad answer. But um <laughs> No, no, that's fine. They're, I guess you could say they're both comparable in high stress, lo, uh not much communication with the outside world, unbelievable camaraderie. Camaraderie to the point where you feel like you it's like the way you bicker with your wife. I mean, I'm not married but I I mean I'm sure like <laughs> you like when you're around someone for so much you're like ah ah and so <laughs> it's the same way. So this seems like a good point to go back to one of the topics we pinned earlier, where you had um, you joined for a lot of patriotic ideals, and mm-hmm. what was your real experience of that? I enlisted. Are uh, what was the word? Candid? That's the word you said, candid? I'm going to be candid about this, man. I enlisted because I wanted to fight. I wanted to, I wanted to experience combat, and... It was not what I, the, the combat I, I got was not what I expected. And it influenced going out and getting to wear the nation's cross in different parts of the world and seeing how we operate with other people. That was an eye-opening experience. It really shaped my opinions on the United States government. But a lot of the, um, the things that really shaped the way I view the military now happen. Remember that, that the term I said I said in the rear. A lot of uh, the things that I, uh, my opinions and emotions got formulated in the rear when I saw the uh, the monotonous day to day activities of how humans treated other humans in that environment and how the, the government operated. Like I said, I'm I'm mean, I'm kind of anti U.S. government now. Uh, Marine Corps had a part to play in that, and there's been some other life experiences that I've went through that. That contributed that, that contributed that mindset, but I mean, like, I am so fucking proud of what I've achieved, what I've done. I'm, I am not embarrassed to call myself a Marine. 
And if I had the opportunity to go through it all again, fuck yes, I would, because that has made me the... I'm so proud of who I am, what I've achieved, what I'm doing with my life. I am just... I mean, I struggle for all humans, and I have demons that I feel bad with to this day, but I'm content. I'm content with where I am. I want to be better self-improvement. Gotta want to self-improve, but I am I am happy with what I have done. But, like, when it comes to, like, the, the patriotism, man, man, United, like, U.S. government is just so different. Like, the way politics operate now is so different than when we were kids. And so, cause, I mean, when, when I enlisted, it was, we were under uh, President Barack's first time, and uh, he had a very different, not a very different, no, he did not have a very different, but he was a different, he had a different approach to politics, to diplomacy than President Trump was. And so, did, I will say this, man, I'll say this. I was a I was a pretty I was a pretty hard Republican going into the military. By the time I was out, I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm a, I'm a liberal now. I'm gonna say I'm a liberal. I'm a registered I'm a registered independent. Excuse me, but I do tend, but because of my experiences in college and the military, I do tend to agree with the Democratic side more than I do Republicans. Republicans, there's some there's some core values Republicans have that I think are good, and you can build upon those. But but the, the idea of like a two party system is dumb. Uh, the, uh, George George Washington. Hate the idea of a two-party system. Another thing that contributes to my to my to my anti-government opinion is like when I went when I lived in Spain for a couple of months, they don't have they don't have like two people that you vote. They don't have like um, a Biden and um, who's the person Trump. They don't you don't vote for Biden or Trump. You have like multiple parties, and you vote for that party, and that party is run by several individuals. And so like, mm-hmm. I think that's how a lot of European countries are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like they have their own problems, and this is not me trying to like the political uh, push my political yeah. opinions on anyone else. But I mean, like it did, it did change me. And the, the military was, was at least a Marine Corps was we were a truck full of us who were like really hardcore pro United States, and then those who were like really hardcore like hardcore patriots. And then just from my experience, I could be wrong here, but just from my experience, those people tend tend to be more they tend to be tend to lead towards Republican ideologies more. But I've noticed that. People who get out of the military smoke a lot of weed and agree with Democrats a lot. <laughs> once you once you exit, and so basically I'm in the same boat. Basically I'm in the same boat. And so so yeah, it was, yeah. Go ahead, my bad. I was done. I was just so I just wanted to ask about something. I think you said earlier um, in that answer. You said that the the combat was different than what you expected. Is that what you said? Yeah. So I mean, like when when. I wanted to enlist, man. They were got um they were gonna be um I mean I imagine uh, like most young high school students you're probably thinking of like uh you know, saving Private Ryan or, or Halo or Call of Duty yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so it was the combat different because of just, you know, our, our media perceptions or was it different uh for another reason? Was it just like just not as um, Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes to yeah uh, so yes to part of it uh, the the media the media that we consume whether it's like video games or what the news tells us they uh-huh. they paint combat to be uh, it's like this, it has a certain vibe to it and that's just because it's entertaining and it's high paced and it's just it looks cool on screen but the combat I mean I never got exposed to any combat like that like what you see um, firefights and I never I never had the opportunity to fire my rifle rifle at the enemy. However, when I was on my first deployment, we got shot at quite frequently, quite frequently. When we first got there, it was just like maybe a pop or two a week. And then by the end of it, man, they were dumping, um, dumping 
but like they were no 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 yeah 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 they were jumping around they were a couple of days like um uh muhammad's birthday the prophet muhammad and then the day that they, uh-huh. the houthis took over the uh like the anniversary of the, the day that the uh the terrorist organization houthis the day they took over the city man i'm telling you it was you've been to disney world right and you see like the fire the fire show they had at fucking um magic kingdom that's what it sounded Houthi- like no 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 the houthis took a fat old shit on that they just do i'm telling you anyone who had a gun they were shooting tank rounds off dude they were shooting artillery rounds off it, I'm telling you, you couldn't even make it up. It was like you walked on top of the building, which is probably which was a stupid idea because they were just <laughs> they were shooting at us. But like, if, if you got up into like one of the safe spots up there, dude, it was it was it was almost beautiful in a way. It was just all kinds of rounds and death and just death going up into the air, and you're just like you just have to take a minute and you have to, because that is something that so few humans get to see and, and experience, and it was. That moment, that specific moment, was kind of crazy because I mean, like, like I said, they're shooting at. I mean, like, they were shooting at you, but I mean, you're still standing up there, and you're just like in shock and awe of how beautiful it is. And so, um, and then there's another time. Um, the time that I remember the most is the first time I got the first time I got shot at, and uh, this, and this little box with a big old machine gun, and I was just leaning there, staring out into the distance, daydreaming. And, I uh, heard it sounds. It has this very distinct sound. It sounds like whips. It sounds like cracking, and it happened so fast. It happened so fast, and it was um, it was a it was a shocking experience. And it and after that, it really didn't. I mean, like yeah, it was kind of scary. But I mean, after that, it wasn't really bothering me. Kind of, it's just kind of used to it. And then on my second deployment, I never got shot at with rifles. We got shot at with artillery and mortars and shit like that. And so um, it'd be like you'd be sleeping in bed, and all of a sudden the alarms go off, and you have to. Run to your run to your closet, throw in all your gear, and then run inside the bunker and sit there, and then you just hear these explosions go off, and you're like, oh, I hope that was nobody. <laughs> and so, um, so I mean, that's why they were two very unique distinct, they were two very unique experiences. So I mean, like, like I said, I never had, I never was in a firefight, never got to like return fire on the enemy with my rifle. On my first deployment, but on my second deployment, they shoot at us with artillery. Like I said, it was. I was one of the very lucky Marines who got involved with the airstrikes and the artillery. And so whenever they shot us with rockets, it was me and my friend's job to shoot rockets back. And that shit was cool, man. And I got to do a couple. I got to do a couple of uh, strikes that on my own, but like I coordinated. And it's a really cool feeling when you when you uh, <laughs> when you basically get, uh, do a lot of damage. I guess you call it. Really cool feeling. You do a lot of damage. So did it feel like we were like? outclassing the, the the forces that they were throwing at y'all or in, in a way um so like on that first appointment uh when we were at the embassy the reason we never returned fire was because we just knew that would that was that was our dead sentence and that's why we eventually evacuated because okay. they're like they, they're, this is getting out of hand they're shooting tank rounds just because they fucking feel because they feel like it and that's and it was actually pretty cool the president the president barack obama called um called the officers called like my uh, my direct officer because there's only a few of us he called him on the phone he's like yo are you ready to evacuate the embassy pretty cool that, i mean like he, he didn't get to talk to me but i'm pretty sure my 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 boss has got a got a got a stiffy he's talking to barack obama on the phone uh it was basically just a game of cat and mouth that first time that first appointment and they knew the powers of the united states because i mean we've been we've been dropping during the obama this is a slight look i don't like any politician so i mean I don't know, like, I think all of the, I think American politics is fucking bullshit. 
I'll fucking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> we, could, we, could get, we could get this later. But I mean, like, um, President Barack has, was my favorite of recent, but even he was a sleazy little, he was a sleazy lobbying um, slime ball. And so he was, he was, uh, President Barack Obama was, was actively uh, bombing seven different nations during his presidency. And so the Houthis were well aware of our airstrike capabilities. And so they didn't really, I mean, like, they, Fuck with us. They fuck with our sleep. They fuck with our, our brains. But no one got. But no they wouldn't hurt. go out in a full force on force attack. Yeah. Usually. No. It was just really just. It was really just like mind games. Like we, they were like, we could fuck you up if we really want to, but we don't want to because we know you can fuck us up. But I mean, yeah, were, it's kind of like uh, both sides know that they could go over there and really screw up the other person. I mean, yeah. obviously, in the end, I mean, you know, this is kind of like. I think it was a moment, it, uh, if, let's say if I was the, the U.S. soldier and then you were the, the Houthi, the bad guy, the terrorist, you'd be like, you, my mind, your mindset would be like, I could kill you right now in this moment, but eventually I would die. And then our mindset yeah. was like, I could kill you in this very moment, but eventually I would die. And so that was just kind of the mindset. But they were just way more ballsy about it than we were. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, um, and then uh, the second one was kind of a more of like um, a, an aggressive because we were, we were, uh, Actively going out and finding targets and fucking on people's days, and so that one was a, that was um, I got to see the cap- I got to see just that was just a slither of the capability of the of because there was it was the United States but I also I was also working with um, people from uh, uh, Denmark Australia all kinds of different um, countries and so it was a it was really cool because I got I got exposed to equipment and tools and technology that I didn't even know fucking existed. And they were like, this equipment is shit. This is like five years old and it's been to like on three different combat deployments. And I was like, this is cool as hell, man. <laughs> this belongs in Star Trek. Uh, but guess, okay, I was talking about what I did briefly in the Marine Corps. Um, so I just said I was in the infantry, but even the infantry has multiple different layers to it. So like there's infantry guys who, who are just, just we, call them, we call them grunts or straight-legged grunts. They were just, they carried the rifles, they kicked down the doors. Are they they were in the trenches? Those were like the those were like the straight up grunts. And then there was the machine gunners, the guys who shot the big machine guns. You see them like the Vietnam movies. There were um, there were like snipers. There were uh, missilemen who were more specialized in using like really advanced bazookas to take out enemy armor, which was not really something that they um that is used in today's military uh, in this today's warfare tactics. setting. Yeah, because uh, what the United States is fighting, we're fighting a unconventional war which is uh-huh. so, yeah you know you know what a conventional war is unconventional un- conventional versus unconventional so conventional war is with oh world war II. yeah it was a uh, conventional war was world war ii nazis versus the allies like like kind of like battlefield five like that kind of warfare unconventional warfare is an army with uniformed tanks established rank structure shit like that versus an insurgency people who wear like uh-huh. civilian clothes hide among the public, stuff like that. They, they may have an army, but they don't necessarily represent the country that they're, they're residing yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, that's the war that the United States is fighting in the um, Middle East. And so those guys who specialize in shooting this, the smart rockets, they just kind of got trained to do something else. And then what my job was, was uh, mortarmen. And so I actually have this. This is what the, this is my, my mat, this is my motor cat. Oh, you can't really see it. But anyway, um <laughs> Uh, mortars, if you ever see those movies, you see the guys dropping bombs in the tube and they cover their ears and the bomb goes out and they go, they go far away and they land on top of bad guys and they blow up. So the purpose of mortars is to, I'm going to use this prop. The purpose of mortars is to shoot, shoot at bad guys who can't shoot at you. But 
the problem is the people dropping the bombs in the tube, they can't really see who they're shooting at because they're hiding behind buildings or mountains, high hills or whatever. So they need hmm. someone who can see the bad guys. And that's what my job was. I would climb the really tall buildings and those really tall hills or mountains. And I would use like really sexy binoculars and radios. And be like, okay, <laughs> the bad guys are here on the map. I would call it younger, like, yo, bad guys are on a position one, two, three, four, five, six. And my friends on the mortar tubes, they would punch in some computers and then they'd get data and they'd point the guns in that direction and they'd drop bombs. And it was like, okay, you guys are close. You need to go left 50 and drop 100. And then they do that and like, okay, we're hitting bad guys now. Fire a bunch of, uh, drop a bunch of mortars. So that was that was my job in uh, the Marine Corps. Man, I fucking loved it. It is amazing. It is amazing when you can find something that you're passionate about and you work at it and you get better. And this this applies to not just the military. If you like, even if you if you cut grass, if you like, if you're passionate about it and you love it and you put energy into it and you see yourself being better, that is amazing. That's exactly what I was doing with that job. But the one of the bad things about the military, I will say, one of the bad things. One of the many bad things about the military is the the better you are at your job, the less you do it. And I got an um, um, candid. I'll be candid right now. I got really good at my job. I got so good at my job. They they took me out of that position and they put me into more more of like a mentor position. And they gave me Marines and they're like, teach these Marines to do what you do. And it was and that's how I kind of got exposed to the passion that I have now, which is I want to be an educator. And so it was really cool. That was really cool too to like have people come to me like, "Yo, you're really good at this. Teach me how you do it." And I teach them, and then I watch them go out and they fail, they fail, try to again succeed, and then watching other people compliment those Marines, "Yo, this guy's good at this guy's good at his job." I mean, you know, it's it's, it's um it's really um really that's where I got my confidence. When I talk about like getting getting good confidence. That's where it came from because I found something I was good at. And I loved it, and I actually looked forward to going out into the field and putting on those those long clothes, all that equipment, and sweating and sitting in the car or sitting in the Humvees or the whatever, and driving out there for like out like an hour or however long. And then you get there and you eat shitty food, and then you then I got to climb up the hill and I got to blow shit up, man. It was fucking awesome, 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 awesome. And that when talking about that five percent that you enjoy, that was some of the five percent. And so those five percent were just. I'm, that's the part of the Marine Corps I miss. That's the part of the, I miss like being out there in the 110 degree weather, all that shit on, sweating my balls off, blowing shit up. That's what I miss. So, um, if I had to, before, if anyone, anyone listening to this podcast who wants to get into the military, find, do not settle for anything less than that that you know you will be happy waking up every day and doing. Recruiters, uh, recruiters can't be slime balls, man. They're gonna, they're gonna force they're going to get you into the military any way they can because recruiters i'd like to talk about this one minute recruiters have this incentive they have certain certain amount of numbers they have to meet and then they have certain certain about uh certain number of billets they need to fill so like let's say a recruiter gets a piece of paper he's like shit i gotta get 10 guys into engineering by the end of the quarter which is like four months i gotta get getting 10 people going to engineering and let's say you walk into the recruiter and you're like I want to blow stuff up. You're like, no, you're like, no, no, no. You want to build stuff. Building stuff is cool. Look at all the cool things you can do with building. You're like, I mean, okay, I guess. I mean, I want to blow stuff stuff up. I want to blow stuff up. But I mean, I guess building would be cool. And so they're going to like manipulate you. And they're going to be like, okay, well, you, you could blow stuff up. or You could do engineering. We'll figure out. And then you go down the road. The next thing, you know, because it's a really long process. But like 
you're going down, you're going through the process. The next thing you know, like you're signing paperwork that says you're going to be an engineer. And then you're going to be like, whoa, I want to blow stuff up. And then they're going to strong arm you. They're going to make you feel bad for like voicing who you are as a person being like, no, I don't want to do this. And then they, that's, 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 this is when the toxicness comes in. They're like, you're going to say no to me. You're going to say no. What, like, what happened to one of you, what happened to being like being a man, being a Marine? Where's that at? You don't want to do, you don't want to be a Marine. Huh. You want to be an engineer. And so like getting back to the point, find something in it. People who want to go to the military, it's also people who just want to go to college. But like, if you're going to the military, find something that you want to do, stick to it, put your fucking foot in the ground. Cause it, it's your life. It's your contract. You're the one who's going to have to wake up every fucking day and deal with bullshit. So find something that you can deal with. And if you want to be a, if you want to be a sailor and the Navy's like, well, we don't need, we really don't need janitors or excuse me. We don't need dentists. So we're going to try to convince you to be a janitor. Don't, use other branches against each other. Like if you want to be a sailor, don't show so much loyalty. Go over to the Air Force and go over to the Army, go over to the Marine Corps and be like, yo, I want to do X, Y, and C and then see what they say. Take that paperwork back. Sure, take the paperwork back to the Navy and be like, Army, uh, Sergeant Johnson with the Army says, I can, I can blow shit up with him. So what's it going to be? And at the end of the day, the, recruiter, the recruiter's trying to get you to join. He gets extra incentive for making you a dentist. But if you want to blow shit up, he's still going to get credit for putting you in a career that's going to blow shit up. I'm telling you, be your own person. Be your own person. Don't show. I mean, like, I admire the fact that you want to join the military and you want to be part of something greater. But at the same time, be your own person. Stand up for stand up for you because I'm telling you, as soon as you go in the military, you got you start at the very bottom and you ain't worth shit. You may be a beautiful person individually, and you may have all these great things that make you who you are. But your body is not your that's not your body anymore. You belong to the United States government. The United States government says. You ain't worth shit. So before you get into that environment, do something that is worth all the shit you're going to have to go through. So, and that's, an, that's something I really hope, I, I feel bad because I have friends who got strong arms into certain situations and certain jobs and shit like that, and they just didn't know. So, I mean, your recruiter is nice and he's helping you set up your career, but at the same time, take everything that motherfucker says with a grain of salt because he's going to, he's going to, he's looking out for his best interest and I, and half the time what his best interest is not is not your best interest so anyone listen any young studs or people looking to go into the military i cannot put enough emphasis on this stand up for stand up for what you want and if you can't get what you want go to someone who will give it to you that sounds like some really good advice i mean it's basically like treat them like a car salesman shop around go to the other branches Mm -hmm and stand your ground say this is what i want if you're not going to give it to me i'm going to walk out yeah you know? exactly and like they kind of like i said it's almost manipulation the way they kind of yoke up you like no nah, no nah, come on you want to be a come on be a engineer's cool man be a dentist that's cool and i mean like i had an ex-girlfriend who uh, she was my girlfriend at the time we broke up but we were living together and she just needed uh she just needed something like the military she needed that kind of structure so i did kind of um, guide her to the military, but I, but I was like, you should join the Air Force because it was just the Air Force is the best option for her. And um, I do remember some when I was there with her. Um, she, there was sometimes she went by herself, and then there's sometimes I went with her, and she was and she was like, yo, he acts and talks to me different when you're there. And I was like, yeah, because he knows that I I can call him out on his bullshit, and so. That's another thing. If you have the re- listening, if you're going into the military and you have the resources, if you have like a friend or a family member who's in the military, take that motherfucker in there with you. 
have them because that's something they see. And recruiters will treat you differently when you have that when you have that um, mentor in your life. So it, it, um, when you have that person with you. So I mean, like if you have the tools and the resources, use them because once you go into the military, <laughs> they're useless. They're, they're so they're so useful before you go in, and then once you go in, then you fucked up if you didn't use it. That's some also some good advice. Yeah, if you know someone in the military, take them with you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. I guess getting ready to wrap this up. Do you think it takes any specific type of person to join the military? Do you think they need to? I mean, I don't, I don't think politics really takes a big role, but you know, do you think they would probably do better if they're one way or the other politically, or do you think they have have to have a certain belief? Like, for me, yeah. I would imagine you have to have a certain belief that overall your country is is good maybe what they're doing right now at this moment isn't necessarily the best thing or you don't agree with but i feel like you almost have to have that belief that overall what your country's doing is good i mean would you agree with that or i'd like to hear your um, opinion um when it comes to the sense of like i think what you're i I think what you're trying to describe is like patriotism your love for your country that's that you do have to have like a certain sense of you have to at least want to be there you have to Mm -hmm. want to be there and they're going to make you not want to be there because that's what they're trying to figure out who, that's, what, that's, just, that's just the process. You have to want to be there. And like, I mean, just a lot of my friends in the Marine Corps were predominantly Republican and we didn't have that many friends who were like, um, I guess what you would call like um, on campus Democrats or on, people who like college kids who are so Democratic. There was very few people like that in the military. But I mean, like it's, um, it's more about like, the spirit and the mind, man. Because you, like I said, you have to want to be there. You have to want to be there. You said Trump, when he was you know, getting inaugurated, there were some people who were like, oh, fuck that, fuck that guy, fuck the world in the Middle East, fuck what we're doing <laughs> here. But they were still in the military. So, I mean, like, it's really, it's really all about what's in here, what's in here, what you're willing to give up, and then what you're telling yourself in here. So, I mean, like, um, as far as, like, when it comes to, like, a political allegiance or political ideology, I don't think that really, I don't, I mean. I think it just happens that way, but you don't, even if you're a Democrat, you could do great in the military and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, you're going to, the only thing you need is the the drive and the desire to be there. And, like, I think I said earlier, like, you're going to have to, that that fire that is your soul, it's going to die. And you're going to have, you're going to have to reach way, you have to reach deep down in those ashes, man, grab that ember. And pull it out, and you have to spark it in fire. Because, like I said, you, you just have to want to be there. You have to, and they're going to make you not want to be there. Because <laughs> that's your fucking job. That's, that's the best way I could answer that question. Sounds good. You have to want to be there. If not, they're going to find out, and you're going to leave. Yeah. Exactly. That's what they're there for. Do you have any other advice or cautions for people entering the field at all? You kind of talked about the, the enlistment process some, but I guess, like, some of the unseen stuff, like I know a lot of people go into the military, they obviously know the risk to their own, to their own life, and they know the psychological risks that they have of you know they're they're doing a lot of stuff out there. But do you think you had a good sense of that risk? Like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, obviously you knew the risk was there and you still did it, mm-hmm. but after experiencing it, do you think you had a full grasp of the risk that you were taking? No, not at all. No, no clue. And I, I, I mean, I said it briefly. There's nothing you can do to prepare yourself because 
what it really is, is how you get treated as. You have to be okay with being treated like like an absolute piece of shit almost for what feels like every day of your life. Because, like I said, your body is not your own anymore. It belongs to the United States government. And you have to prove to the United States government that your body is your, your body and what's inside of it is not a piece of shit. And they're going to tell you when you're not a piece of shit. And so there it's, it's a really humbling experience. You can bring, I don't care. Like you could be a bodybuilder. You're going to have to bring yourself way down. You're going to shrink down to like the smallest version of yourself and then grow from there. And there, and like what the big thing when I was going in the military was like, I have to, I got to be ready for combat. I got to be ready for combat. I got to be ready for this. I got to know you're in that situation. Man, that's not even, it's not even a fucking, that's maybe not even a quarter of it. But, and that was the infantry. So people who like go in to be like dentists, engineers, janitors, mechanics, stuff like that, dump the whole combat. Like don't even watch military <laughs> movies. You like, you, you're going to have to prepare yourself. There's no way to prepare yourself, but, but try to get ready for a complete de- devaluing of yourself and you're going to have to be ready to make sacrifices. Like I said, because it costs, you got to give up parts of your, your, your mental, you got to give up parts of your spirit, and then obviously uh, parts of your physical body. Because I mean, like, I have some friends that get like mad disabilities. Like, bro, I have mad back pain, I have mad knee pain, I got shoulder pain in this one from just all the training exercises and shit. So like, you, it shaves off it literally will take off years of your life, even if you don't even get shot or if you don't get shot or take shrapnel, you're still going to lose your health. And so uh-huh. you have to go in there ready to take an L. You're going to take a fat, you're going to take a lot of L, <laughs> so many L's. And you have to go in there ready to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to lose. This is going to suck. I mean, there's nothing in the world that's about to be like the experience I am, but this will make me a better person. I, I want that. You have to, you, like I said, you have to want to be there. And they're going to make you not want to be there. And that, that, ooh, you know what? That's, that's a sense of motivation. I think that I, that, that I think a lot of people going to the military should find that it is literally their job to make you want to quit. And they damn near hate you. And you definitely hate them. And that is the biggest fuck you. I made it. I'm a Marine. Me and you. Like me and you on the same level compared to the rest of the world. Once you get inside the Marine Corps, there's obviously rank structure. But like, once you like take yourself out of the Marine Corps, if you're just a civilian, you take and you look at the military from the outside in. I mean, people, I mean, they all dress the same, they all look the same. It, it can be easily said that they are all the same. So that is a that's the greatest that's the greatest fuck you you can do to the people making your life miserable is to graduate. That's the only way to that's the only way to win, man. <laughs> like they're gonna make you want to quit, and if you can make them fail at their job, that's the biggest fuck you ever. That's the biggest fuck you ever. Like, look, you put your bo- mind, heart, and soul into trying to make me go home, and I stayed. And guess what? I'm here to stay, bitch. And so, I I implore people to use that as motivation. So that's you can't hit your drill instructors. You can't talk to. You. The only thing you can always say, I sir. At least in Marine Corps boot camp, you can say, I sir. No, sir, and yes, sir. You can really only say like three fucking things to them. So you can't talk back. And like I said, let that be motivation for you. Let that be the fuck you to your drone structure. Like, I made it. You wanted me to quit, but I stayed. And so now, now, now the rest of the world think me and you are on the same level. So. <laughs> I wanted to hit uh, another point, one more point. I kind of wanted to uh, 
wrap up the culture shock part of it. Obviously, there's culture shock when you uh, re-enter to the civilian world, and we've gone over how it, it doesn't seem like they do a really good job in reintroducing you to the civilian world. But I also wanted to kind of hit on, I mean, is there anything that the civilian world can do to help, obviously? Because, like, they they really don't have no way of completely understanding the stuff that you went through. So, I don't know, what's, what's the biggest pet peeve when you're in the civilian world that civilians do? The biggest pet peeve. I hate quitters. I don't like quitters. I don't like people who get who who are going through a trial in life. They hit an obstacle, they hit a wall, and they're like, "Fuck this, I'm done." Um, people who are content with their situations, like people who live with a parent, not because like they're down in their love, but because like I save my parents because I have to pay rent or things things like that. That's it's like like no. No, that's not how. That's not how. Our job as humans is to make the world a better place, and that's why we procreate. We, we, we That's why we have children is so that our children can make the world, can bring changes to the world that we cannot. And so, you should you should want to make the world a better place. And how you start by doing that, and I, I've said it, but I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I can't express it enough. You change the world by changing yourself. And so when you join the military and once and you do certain things in the military like go in combat deployments you you graduate from certain schools you get certain training you become you just stare at the world different you get they give you lenses to look at the world through and you can just see people who are just not on the same vibration as you are like people you, like i have more dedication than this guy i have more heart than that person i have more drive than this person i'm i'm smarter than this person and the military does that for you and there are some guys out there who are vocal about that. They're like, yeah, this guy's a pussy or this guy's dumb. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Those guys are dicks. I don't like those guys. Those guys in the military and those guys in the military give us a bad rep. And so, I mean, like another skill about it is humility. Gotta, gotta stay humble. And so the military, I know, I know I've, I've, I've gassed it up and I've talked a lot of shit, but like if you're able to stay within the bounds of, if you're able to like, just have a, like a decent military military career and then you get out and you successfully navigate the culture shock of uh, going from military to civilian you will just the mindset and the mindset that it gives you is priceless it's priceless it's something that you can take on for the it's tools that you can take on for the rest of your life because you cannot find you cannot find the confidence the drive the heart the passion the help the determination, the the perseverance, you can't find those anywhere else. Anywhere else but in specific scenarios in the military. And and I'm so grateful for for those experiences because they make me who I am and I'm 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 really I'm really content with the person I am. I keep I inspire myself to be better every day. And if I could help anybody be a better person, it's start by like, I don't know, making your bed, do the dishes read a book, uh, go work out, find a hobby. Like I didn't even, I didn't, I, I didn't know about, I mean, like I knew about kayaking, but I wanted to try it. I've, I picked up playing the guitar. I want to, I want to get into music. Do something, put your energy into something that will make you better. And that is, some, I, I feel like that's something only the military would do because you're on a path, you're on a mission, you're on a mission and you're going to hit an obstacle. You're going to, you're going to be playing the guitar and it's going to pop and it's going to smack you in the face and, and the military, in a way, prepares you for life because 
I mean, this shit, this shit happens. I mean, like, you know, you're married, you're graduated, you graduated college. I'm sure you've lived through some shit. And so, I mean, like, this, this life happens and the military is really great at beating the fuck out of you mentally and spiritually. But you got to get up. You got to get up and you got to get back out there and you got to, because that's what life is. Life is taking L's and you still have to persevere. And if I can help anybody for the, the closer shot going in, going into the military, a high school student going into the military, this is going to be really hard, but you got to do it, kid. You got to do it. Delete Instagram, delete Snapchat, learn how to meditate and be, be good. Learn how to be on your own. Because today there's nothing wrong with like Instagram, Snapchat, Zoom. We're using Zoom right now. That the, the capabilities that technology has makes it, does has the potential to make the world a better place. But when you're in boot camp, it's going to be so different. Like the, one of the biggest one of the biggest mind fucks for me was uh, like the first few days. Our pockets had like uh, our pants had these big pockets on the right here on the, right here on your leg. And so <laughs> I kept my I kept my canteens in there. And then sometimes when I bump into stuff, it would vibrate. And my, my body was like, oh, my phone's vibrating. And I'm like, oh, my God, my, my body's like, I have a phone. And then I go down there, and there's nothing there. And can you it's just the saddest feeling in the world. I remember being so sad. I was so miserable. And I thought my phone was ringing. I thought it was my girlfriend or my parents. I'm like, oh, God, yes. And it's just water. It's water. So you got to learn how to detach yourself in a way, become an individual, focus on yourself, really. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and I'm on I'm the bet that, the culture that we have in the United States is so deep in the internet and so deep in social media that they won't do it. And, but I'm telling you, if you, if you're serious about it, delete social media, focus on being an individual and learn how to meditate because that's some good advice. And I don't think you'll get that from a lot of people or I wouldn't think about meditation, getting that advice from someone in the military. And I also think it's good advice to try and detach themselves from technology and become less dependent on it before they get there and they're forcibly detached. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, it's 20, I mean, I enlisted in 2013 and Instagram wasn't even a thing. Now Instagram is like a major platform for marketing and social, so, uh, uh, just like media, news. It's, it's a huge platform like and then like TikTok. Anyway, long story short, when I was, when I enlisted <laughs> social media, I mean, like, social media was, was an influencer, but it, now it's the influence of American culture. And so mm-hmm. you're going to lose that. And then and you're, that's why I say focus on being an individual because you're going to lose they're going to you're going to lose self-identity because you don't have those outlets and on top of that they're breaking you down as a person trying to restructure you so you're going to have some identity crisis that's why focus on being an individual and to help decompress with that learn how to meditate and i feel like if you can just do those those two things like but uh i mean a, a social experiment that i've recently got into i deleted my snapchat and my instagram and um man i love it <laughs> i mean i i really like it because uh, I just feel myself being more productive with my energy. Like I'm able to do, like I'm, it's easier for me to focus on homework or I can put more time in, I give my dog more attention. And even now, um, I've down, okay, so I downloaded some uh, some great apps like Thought Catalog, which is an app where you can just go and pick out random articles about self-improvement, spirituality, uh, quick little like adventures, just anything. And when I catch myself going into the folder that my Instagram used to be on, there's nothing there. And then it's just like, I feel, I, I don't know, it feels like this. That makes you realize how, how like, uh, how reliant yeah. you were on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so then I put that, I put that app full of articles in that same folder. And every time I catch myself going, like doing that, that most memory of going to Instagram, just to mind. You do something productive and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit of this article. And so, um, and if anyone's listening who's not going into the military, it's just 
Kind of that's good advice either way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, because social kind of, media, honestly, it's a it's a big waste of time, probably, mm-hmm. and it also can be toxic. So yeah, I think it's probably better if you at least like rein yourself back from it. Yeah. yeah regardless I mean, of your position. Yeah. It's uh, like I said. I'm directing energy, and I'm proud of it. I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm happy with where my energy and efforts are going. Without uh, just my, because I can't tell you how many times I've just how many calories <laughs> I've burned just doing this, and I don't even learn anything. Versus like I burn more calories when I'm playing guitar, and I'm actually learning something. So I mean, like, you, know, exactly. you make you make a point. It's great advice. So, final question here: If somebody goes and lists, and let's say after their four years they plan on relisting because they want to make this a career. They want to make this their 20, 30-year career, whatever. Do you have any advice for them to make this the the best career? I mean, obviously, there's going to be some personal differences, but, like, mm-hmm. I guess, what, what would you advise for their best route? For someone who's realistic? For someone who's willing to make this their career, like 20- or 30-year experience or whatever. So when I enlisted, man, I wanted to. I wanted to make it a career. Like, I was so gun-ho, so motivated, so patriarch patriotic i had already spent like seven years in military school i was like this is this is what i'm this is what i'm read to do and you're so young and like you're so young and influential at that time um but if uh people who i'm talking i guess i'm talking to people who are going in and they plan to make it a career do not plan to make it a career because life happens i just told you you're going to fall down you're going to take some L, and you're, you're just it's going to give you a new lens look at the world and that's Going back to like, I got NJP, I, I fucked up, I did something wrong, and I lost rank, and I had to pay like thousands of dollars, and I got put on house arrest, and I lost just, I lost basic human rights, because like I said, my body's not mine anymore, so I lost basic human rights, and I, and I sacrificed those rights when I joined the military. So when you go to enlist, and you have the mindset of being in it for 20 years, dump that mindset, because like I said, life happens, and you need to go into it with like a spongy mind, but if if you're coming up on the realistic marker and you want to re if you're coming up, on, if you're in like year three or four and you're going to re-enlist in a couple months, this is the slimy part. They know when you're going to re-enlist, and so your attitude and their attitude toward you changes. They will treat you differently, and it's kind of just like it, 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 to me, it shows like the two-facedness of it. It's gonna, I mean, like each job and each branch have different. Um, different missions, different goals, different objectives. So they're going to like use different tactics to influence you to re-enlist. And so I imagine, I mean, the military, the military is pretty good at manipulation. So, I mean, it may work, it may not, but I mean, like, as for like people who are in the military looking to re-enlist, that's a really dynamic and hard question. I mean, I wish I could answer it better, but if, I mean, I could definitely say to the people who are wanting to, who are going in and they plan to make it their entire life, you need to dump that. Get rid of that mindset and play it day by day because, like I said, just in general, like I said, uh, you mean life, you can tell me, you can tell me life just happens. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's a really special. I wish, I wish that's the best answer I can give you. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. I mean, I think this will be very informational for people who are considering enlistment. I hope they take everything to heart. Let me give it a wrap up. So, if you have anybody who has an interesting career or anything, you can feel free to nominate them. You can just email kwcpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Ryan Parm for uh, for doing the interview with me, and thank you for your service. And anybody who's listening, if you're a veteran, I'd like to thank you for your service. And know you're not alone. 
you'd be surprised if you reach out to people, the people that would be willing to listen. Exactly. So exactly. don't be afraid to reach out. Thank you. Anything thank else you, you want to add on? Um, no, I want to thank you for having me. This was a great experience. I feel like I, 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 I dig down into the memory bank and I brought out some emotions and thoughts that I haven't really, that I haven't really gone through in a while. And, and um, I love, I guess I want to be an educator, so I love the idea of like helping people and teaching people. And you gave me that opportunity today, and I could not thank you enough. Uh, this is awesome, man. And if everyone was back on, please don't hesitate. This was a great experience, man. Uh, I loved it, and I, I'm excited for you. I hope this goes places. Hey, guys, this is Cody with a little post-show wrap-up. I'd just like to remind you to rate the podcast, like it, uh, comment on it, whatever. The more traffic that goes on with this podcast, the more it'll get suggested to other people and whatnot. Also, feel free to suggest it in person if you like it or if you think one episode in particular would be interesting to a friend or if you think the whole idea is interesting, please spread it to your friends by word of mouth. That's probably the most effective way. Once again, I'd like to thank you all for listening. I would also like to once again thank Ryan. It was an honor and it was a lot of fun interviewing him and I'm excited for the rest of these. Thanks.